Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. If you're uh, joining us uh, for the first time or fairly new, I want to say thank you and welcome. Uh, we are uh, in a series titled Multiply. Somebody say multiply. And uh, really, this is the vision for the year, for 2021, is to multiply. What would it look like if, if uh, we decided to step out in faith and say, God, everything that I have, um, I hope it increases not for my gain. I hope it multiplies not for my gain, but for the, the sake of Jesus Christ. And so, God, the talents and the giftings that you've given me, would they increase to advance the kingdom? Would they increase? Would I, would I decrease and would you increase what you've given me so that people can come to know you and there would be an advancement in the kingdom of God? And so um, we were here talking about remaining in me is what Jesus said in John chapter 15, remain in me. We, we gotta get that first before we can do anything else. We can't do anything if we're not connected to the source. We can't go anywhere and do it right if we're not connected to the vine. This is where we get our, our fuel. This is where we get our instructions. This is where we get the motivational speeches to say, come on, you got this. I can do this. You can do this. We got to be connected. We have to remain. And so to, today, I want to um, break that down a little bit. And if you're taking notes, you can write the title of today's message, and that is um, The Productive Believer. The Productive Believer. So Father God, one last time we pray before we read your word and we read your scripture. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word? Would you bless the truths that come out of it? Would you allow it to shape and change our hearts? Lord, I can stand here boldly and, and announce that, Lord, I have nothing to offer. But what I do have is the truths and the, the commands and the instructions that come with your word. God, would that present itself? Would that go forth? Would that change the hearts and the minds of everybody in this room and everybody watching online? Lord, we pray this in your holy name. And everybody said one last time, amen. Do me a favor, tell the person next to you, let's be productive. Let's be productive. And if, uh, as always, I like to say we're note takers here because I do, I do uh, believe that if we take notes, we'll remember things. And Ultimately, Jesus has something to say this morning, and, and it's nice to kind of hear it and listen to it, but God is wanting you to do something with it. So if the person next to you ain't taking anything or just listening, just you have my permission to elbow them, and uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have my permission to do that. I'm sorry. You know, it could be very challenging to sign off on a day and call it productive. Yeah. I think it's psychological sometimes because there can be plenty of days where we, we, we get a lot done, but then we go to sleep feeling unproductive. And then there are days where we get absolutely nothing done and we're like, that was a productive day, right? Every single day that I walk into my office, I have a notepad and on my notepad, I write down all the things that I have to do. And then when I do them, I check them off. And I can't tell you how many times that um, by the end of the day, I look at that checklist and I have done nothing on that list. But what I did do is a few other things. And so before I leave, I open up that notepad and I write down the four or five things that I accomplished that day and then I check them off. Because <laughs> I want to feel productive. And sometimes that productivity is fabricated or it's manufactured. But let's be honest, who are we fooling other than ourselves? 
We've got to be productive. Somebody say productive. We've got to be productive. And, and, and yeah, I can say I'm productive because I'm busy all the time. But church, can I remind you that your busyness does not equate to your productiveness? Because you could be busy sinning. I'm product. That's not productive. You could be busy serving. I mean, Jesus said it in Luke chapter 10 when he was talking about Mary and Martha. I'm busy serving, therefore I am productive. Jesus, that's not productivity. I need you to be and stop doing. Just sit in the presence of me. This is what he says. We could be busy doing absolutely nothing. And how do you feel at the end of the day when you have done nothing? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Quarantine was good and bad to you because all you did was wake up and you plopped on that couch and then you went to sleep on that couch that night. Productive? No. I didn't do anything. I didn't produce anything. I didn't go anywhere. And, and did I advance anywhere? Did I, did I accomplish anything? Odds are, in most cases, that's no. In fact, Proverbs 13, 4, Solomon writes, a sluggard's appetite is never filled. Somebody say, never filled. But the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Never filled. A sluggard's appetite is never filled. How come? How, how, how come I, I, I can't I can't go anywhere, feel anything if this is my attitude and my mentality. Well, he goes on to say in two chapters later in Proverbs 15, he says, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns. I don't know about you, but that's not a, that's not a journey. That's not a path that I want to take. So if I'm doing nothing, if I'm producing nothing, if I'm creating nothing, then where am I going? What am I doing? How am I advancing? In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 1, he said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And it says in my translation, it's a little different. It goes on to say, he cuts off every branch in me that what? That bears no fruit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get cut off. I don't want to be a believer who is known as inactive, unproductive, sluggard, lazy. I don't want to be that. Don't cut me off, Jesus. I know I may not be doing a whole lot, but I certainly don't want to be doing a whole lot of nothing. I got to be doing something, and I want to be known as somebody who is productive. I want to be known as a believer who is active. I want to be known as somebody who is saying, God, I, what you have given me, I now present and put forth, and there should be an increase. I want to be a productive Christian. I want to be a productive believer. I want to bear much fruit. I want to do what God has called me to do so that I can advance the kingdom of God. Not for my sake, but for the name of Jesus. We should all want that. Tell somebody next to you, you should want that as well. You should want that. We got to be productive. In verse 5 of John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If, here's the key word, if. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, a believer apart from his Savior cannot produce anything. A branch apart from its vine, apart from its source, is weak. No wonder why I've been failing all the time. I, I'm not connected. No wonder why I ain't advancing anywhere because I'm not connected. You know what a branch that's not connected to his vine is good for? Not for building, but for burning. And so I, I want to remain in him, but he also has to remain 
in me. And if that equation um, and can, can, can look right and feel right, then guess what? That's going to amount to a lot of blessings, a lot of productivity, and a lot of purpose. And I don't know about you, church, but I want to walk in purpose. I want to walk in purpose. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing, but if you are connected to me, you will bear much fruit. So how do we become a productive believer? If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. How do we become a productive believer? If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a few things. The first one is this. Recognize what matters most. Recognize. Somebody say recognize. You know, one of the most... One of the most radical transformations in scripture is of a guy named Saul. A guy named Saul who is murdering believers, all of a sudden transforms just like that, and now he is saving people. He is laying the foundation of the church. This man is radically on fire for Jesus, just like that. He, he had a whole laundry list of sin. He had a, a small list of good. His, in fact, his good works he knew were hollow, and his sin was vast. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. He lost much, but he gained so much more. And, and I wish I could say that for everybody. I wish I could say that for everybody I know, and I wish I could say that for myself, that all of a sudden, when I came to know Jesus, everything inside of me that was sin, all of a sudden left, and then I would just gain so much purpose and so much meaning, and I started to do all the things that God wanted me to do. That's just not the case always. But for Paul, my goodness, he had a, a list of things, even a, a list of accomplishments. And he says in Philippians chapter 3, if you're, if you're reading with me, Philippians 3 verse 7, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. Personal gains, personal achievements, all the personal success that I, that I can show, he says, I, I count it all as lost for the sake of Christ. In verse 8, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. My, re my reputation, my success, my achievements, all the things that I could show for, which, which I, Paul says, I got them all. I got a ton of them. In fact, I got everything you need if being good and having a checklist was going to enter me into to have, I, I got it all, and now he says, I count it all as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, I consider them garbage. Somebody say garbage. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not by doing more or, 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 or uh, understanding more or having all this, this head knowledge, yet no heart transformation. And he says, um, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on a basis of faith. Nothing that you could have done to inherit. The only thing you could have done is to accept and receive the free gift that God is already giving to you. So I am inheriting this. I am gaining this, not because of what I can bring to the table, which a lot of people, that's their first response. Why should you get into heaven? Why should you receive eternal salvation? Yo, look what I did. Look what I've done. Man, I got to be a part of this. I've gone on seven missions trips. I've done all of these things. And, and Paul is saying, I count all of that as loss because I have gained the one thing that I could not inherit, and that was eternal salvation through the resurrection of Jesus. And he goes on to say this. He says, yes, I want to I know Christ. This is the personal experience that we all have to have. It's a personal. Somebody say personal. This has got to be personal. You have 
to want to know Christ. This isn't a, a, a relationship that's um, passed down to you. This isn't hereditary. This isn't something that you just walk into accidentally. This is something that you decide. I want to know Jesus. Tell somebody next to you, make it personal. Make it personal. This is a personal experience for him. He says, yet to know the power of his resurrection, the power, this is a powerful experience as well, and participation in his sufferings. Oh, hold up. We talked about this before. I'm going to step into this thing, this personal relationship. Now I've got to partake in some suffering. Yes, this is going to be painful at times. There is a personal experience. You encounter the powerful experiences, and now there is also a painful experience. He says, becoming like him in his death, referring to Jesus, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul dies to self. He counts everything that he has as loss, resulting in this spiritual resurrection, partaking in the newness of this life. He says, he says everything else, in fact, Solomon says it in Ecclesiastes chapter one. Everything is what? Meaningless. Everything under the sun is meaningless, utterly meaningless. And so now my, 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 my attitude, now all uh, what I have to show for begins to make different sense because I'm not building a kingdom for myself anymore but I'm building a kingdom for God now, right? As God increases, I must decrease what I have to show for that's for myself really must not be there but what I have to show for God it's got to show I want people to know that you know Jacob wasn't a nice person or he did this or that I want people to know that Jacob was a follower of Jesus Christ and everything that I did everything that I said showed you that Jesus is real and that Jesus is love and that his mercy and his grace is there for anybody and everybody who freely accepts um Everything is meaningless. Everything that we need, everything that we need to survive, that's not really what Paul and, and Solomon are, are, are attempting to conclude here, that everything has zero value and that you should drop it all and forget about it all and put on some sackcloth and worship 24-7. But what they have come to the conclusion is that all human efforts, apart from God's will, are meaningless. All. Somebody say all. All. If you were here weeks ago... My dad said, think with the kingdom in mind. You want to be successful? Think. Let your thought process be intertwined with the kingdom perspective. So all things are meaningless apart from God. Church, true satisfaction does not happen if God is out of the equation. True satisfaction does not take place if God is out of the equation. I don't want to have a lot to show for that excites the world, but I want a lot to show for that excites Jesus. That, that's how I want to live most times. My flesh, on the other time, sometimes wants, wants to build a kingdom, wants to create a legacy, wants to have a lot to say, look what I have done and the skill sets that God has given me. Look what I've created. My flesh certainly wants that. My Bank account certainly needs that, <laughs> but Jesus doesn't want that. I count it all as loss. I count it all garbage, and I gain the one thing that matters most. And so I, so I have to recognize, somebody say recognize. I got to recognize that, that all of this that I can gain, um, Jesus said it in Matthew 16, verse 26. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? 
What do you benefit if you create it all and build it all? Well, what do you benefit if you do all of those things but lose the one thing that matters most and that is your soul? What do you gain? This isn't Egyptian times where we bury you with all your stuff you're going to take to the next life. You don't get any of that. The only thing that departs from this world is your soul. You want everything else except that? Well, good luck. I don't want to gain it all and lose the one thing that matters most. I must recognize what matters most. And that is that Christ lives in me, not I. That everything I do, everything I say, everything that I walk in, everything that I put my hands to, I walk with this mentality that I recognize what matters most. Somebody say focus. Focus on what matters most. Now that I can recognize and understand, now that I know, you know, that, that's, that's step one. Now that I know, I think that's what we got to get people to to understand anything when they're wrong or when they're right. They, they, they got to know. And so now that I know, now that I have recognized, I've got to focus on what matters most. Perhaps maybe you've seen this on social media or anywhere. Um, here's the uh, acronym. I'm, I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to uh, break it down for you. If you know, you know. So for those of you who are wise in years, you may not have understood that acronym, and certainly I could put up a whole bunch of other acronyms that we probably shouldn't in church, but that one is, if you know, you know. It's kind of like the inside joke. Somebody posts a picture, if you know, you know. And I gotta be honest, I don't want that to represent my life. Hey, you know this thing? <laughs> if you know, you know. No, you better know, and I'm gonna show you that you need to know. So this ain't an inside joke. This is, this is life and death right here. No more if you know, you know. You better know, and I better know that you know. And if you don't know, then I'm gonna certainly show you and help you get there. But to, to be honest, what does head knowledge um, mean if there's, there's no focusing on it and talking about it and walking in it? A lot of head knowledge um, didn't do the Pharisees you know, any good, did it? In fact, who did Jesus have the most issues with? wasn't the sinners, the lost. It was the Pharisees who had all the head knowledge. They, they recognized everything except doing anything. They, they didn't do it. They, they knew it. They recognized it. But was it constantly on their hearts? Was it constantly something that they meditated with? Was it constantly something? I mean, this is what the writer says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter and the pioneer of our faith. Somebody say fixing. Fixing. What's that word fixing mean? Well, if you were in the South, that word fixing might mean a little different. You might hear that word as fixing too. And if somebody is telling you, I'm fixing too, and they use the, the, the word breakfast in the same sentence as fixing too, odds are they're fixing to make you some biscuits and chocolate gravy if you're in my house. Chocolate gravy? What? That's what I eat because we're healthy. Chocolate gravy. If somebody is saying, I'm fixing to make you some breakfast, I'm expecting some biscuits and chocolate gravy. And if you dare put any of those grits on my plate, you might as well throw that in the trash. I count that as garbage. Oh, no, we like grits. We butter it up and put salt. I didn't ask for salt and butter. I want something else. Don't give me none of them grits. Just throw them in the trash. I'm fixing too. I guess you could throw this into that, 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 that uh, scripture in Hebrews 12 too. I'm fixing to fix my eyes on Jesus. But even that doesn't really make sense because that's, God is saying, you know, prepare to fix. No, I, I want to fix. This means this continual awareness. That's what that means. Continual awareness. 
I'm having this continual awareness that all of my thought process, all of my thinking, all of my um, whatever is going on in here, I know some of us in my head as well, there is not a lot of going on in there, but whatever time that there is, I've got to have um, the kingdom in mind. I've got to fix my eyes. It's, It's this constant. It's this continual awareness that we've got to have if we're going to do and focus on what is right. I know what I'm supposed to do, um, but do I act as if Jesus is around? Because if Jesus is around, perhaps what you do might just change. What you say might just change. How you think might just change. It's this constant awareness that God is here. He's omnipresent. God is in the room today, right now. We don't need to shout and say, God, we open up the doors and we invite you in. God is already here. He's invited you in. God is already in this presence. He is in this place. We just need to sit in it and be in it. So stop shouting and saying, God, show up. God's like, I'm waiting for your faith to show up. I'm already here. And so it's this constant, it's this continual awareness that God is here in the midst of us. Therefore, I now know that. I now walk in that. I now love in that. I now show that, that God is here. We ain't got to pray for it. We ain't got to ask for it. He's already here. He's actually invited you into his space, not the opposite. So I think we have to make that very clear. I, I, I know and I know and I know, but I, I struggle with knowing that. I read it in here, but I just, I just forget sometimes. Anybody forget? Anybody have bad memory? Anybody suffering from? I'm just kidding. I, my wife gets onto my case all the time. She's like, I don't know how you sing songs up here, but you'd have no idea what these lyrics are, or you have no idea what you're supposed to say next. I mean, I sit there and singing songs that I have known my whole life. I'm like, amazing grace, my chains are gone. <laughs> I got people that never been to church that know that song. I just can't see my, I struggle often with forgetting. And sometimes I'm saying, God, I, I just can't do this because I can't always remember it. Pastor's asking me to memorize the whole book of James. I can't even memorize two verses. And I think we put too much blame on our inability to retain when it's our inability to just focus. God isn't saying memorize this whole thing. God is just saying, focus on this whole thing. Focus on it. And it's gonna change everything you do. If I can consume myself with this, then what comes out of me, what stems out of me is this. I don't got to memorize it all. Dad, you have memorized this whole thing, right? Okay, good. I haven't. Have you? I I haven't. Is that a requirement to preach this thing? But I focus on it. I focus on it. And so God isn't saying remember it, and you certainly can't blame yourself for not being able to remember. You've, uh, you probably could blame yourself um, for not being able to focus. And in fact, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. I gotta be honest, there's not a lot of that in today's society. Sometimes we gotta manufacture it or fabricate it at times. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think. Somebody say think. Think. And you wanna focus right? You wanna meditate right? Well, think about these things. I, I don't know what's true. How, how, can I, how can I think about what is true? You watching what I watching? We don't know what's true. Well, you ain't watching this. This is true. Think about what is noble and what is right, whatever is pure. Think about those things. I, I don't just want to know how to honor God. I want to focus on it daily because if I can focus on it, then I can 
do it? How can you do something that you're not focusing on? How, how can you commit to the ways of God if you're not focused on the ways of God? Stay focused, stay focused. You know how many times I heard that growing up in school? If I had a dollar for every time a teacher told me to stay focused, I'd have a lot of dollars. I mean, you, you may not know this about me, but I got ADD, I got ADHD. My wife says, stop speaking that over you. But if I had a degree in it, I'd have a PhD. I get on my phone to do one thing 45 minutes later. I forgot that one thing that I was supposed to do. Anybody there with me? Anybody can relate? Yeah? I'm like, I, I, was, doing, I was searching up a, a Bible verse, and then I got scrolling 35 minutes later on Instagram doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing and responding to this, looking at that, and I'm like, man, what was I supposed to do? I, I cannot blame my inability to remember, but I can blame my inability to focus. Tell somebody next to you to focus. Focus. We want to be productive. We got to focus. In fact, David writes it in Psalm 119.15. He says, I meditate. Yo, that's like voodoo stuff, right? No, no, not at all. I meditate. I sit and I be. I don't do all the time. I just want to be in it and sit in it, and think about it, and read it, and then stop, and then read it, and then stop, and then read it. I, I think we just read, and we go, and we read, and we go, and, and not everything that you read is for application purposes in that moment. I want you to know that. Sometimes you just got to read and sit in it, because God is saying, I need to clarify this scripture before you get out there and apply it to your life, because you're going to apply it into your life out, out of context. So just Sit in it for a little bit. Maybe search it. Maybe ask God, what are you speaking to me? How are you using this passage? Sometimes we just got to focus. We got to meditate and say, God, let all of my thinking be consumed by you. I want my thoughts to be your thoughts because he says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I want my ways to be your ways because his ways are higher than our ways. And so I want to meditate. I want to sit in. I want to, this is why 21 days of prayer has been amazing. For those of you who showed up on the Tuesday nights and this past Saturday morning, we had 15 minutes of just sitting and praying. Some of you are like, 30 seconds has gone by. Are we done with this yet? Man, I don't know about you, but 15 minutes didn't seem long at all. And you never know until you try it. I can't pray for 15 minutes. Have you showed up to a prayer service where there's a countdown and there's 30 people around you doing the same exact thing? Now it's more so, I got to do this. I'm going to sit in it and I'm going to read we got to focus, meditate. If the things of God will consume us, the things of God will stem out of us. So I focus because I have recognized. And when I focus, due to the recognition of what God is telling me and what matters most, I now can start to do. And here's the last one if you're taking notes. Productive believers recognize, productive believers focus, and productive believers spend time on what matters most. Spend time. James, who, if you've read the book of James, and that was one of the books that I was told in sixth grade to memorize. I'm like, I can't even memorize, like, my phone number or my address. You want me to memorize the whole book of James? And I did it. I memorized all five verses of the first chapter. That was it. And, and James is here saying, I, I, need, I, need some, I need to clarify on what spiritual maturity looks like. And so there are some things that you've got to do, right? Here, here's, the, here's the doing part. There are some things, there's got to be some progress made in your life. There's got to be some actions. There's got to be some steps. This is why we talk about next steps here at VLC. Um, there's got to be a next step for your life always. 
No matter if you're a level 10 Christian or not, there's always a next step for you. And so James is clarifying um, to the people here. He says in verse 22 of James chapter one, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Come on, say that with me. One, two, three. Do what it says. Again, head knowledge has got to transform into a heart transformation. It's got to be lived from here, not up here. Because if you're living up here, you ain't living. You got to live from here. And so I listen, I recognize, I focus, and so now I do. Because anybody who listens to the word does not do what it says is like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Anybody got that problem? I saw the bathroom in my, or mirror in my bathroom. I got a mirror in my hallway, and I got a mirror by the front door. So I do not forget, because I want to make sure I know what I look like. If you go to my parents' house, they got a whole wall that's a mirror. Now, it's the profile shot, which I don't really like, because I got the mirror in front of me, and I'm like, I don't like the profile shot. I'd rather, I'd rather look at the mirror that, that sheds 10 or 20 pounds off me. Can I get an amen? Can I get that mirror installed in my house? I want to know so, um, if that's available. But, but that, this is ultimately what James is saying. is People who don't do when they know is like somebody who forgets who they are and what they look like. I don't want to forget what I look like. I don't want to forget what my identity is. I don't want to be walking as somebody in some shell that people don't even know who, who I am. I want to know who I am. I want to know what my purpose is. And so I don't just know and listen, but I do. In fact, a guy by the name of Paul Myers said, productivity is never an accident. Can I say it again? Productivity is never an accident, but it is always the result of a commitment to excellence, intelligent planning, and focused effort. Somebody say intentionality. It's, this, is, this is the law of intentionality, as John Maxwell put it. He said, growth doesn't just happen. Life is in session. Are you present? This ain't just gonna, gonna accidentally fall in your lap. We've gotta be intentional, church. We gotta be intentional about spending time with what matters most. We gotta be intentional. This isn't just gonna accidentally take place and all of a sudden you're gonna find yourself walking through doors, receiving favor of God. You know, you're doing things, great things. My marriage is working. I ain't even praying. Truth is, somebody's praying for you. Odds are it's grandma. She's praying for you. That's why all this favor is happening in your life, right? You know what I'm talking about? This has to be intentional. I had a friend walk into school one day, found a bag of cash in the bushes, a bag of cash. Amen. <laughs> It was thousands of dollars, though. Amen. And she, she reported it and ended up getting it. Every day for the next year, I drove by that same bush and every other bush proudly proclaiming, Jesus, you said ask and you shall receive. Holy Ghost, come on, somebody. I need, give me the cash. I need it. Lord, I'm looking in this bush. I'm looking in that tree. I'm looking up that tree. I'm saying there's got to be some cash for me, Jesus. We think sometimes that's just going to accidentally fall on our lap, just like the, the favor of God is going to be accidental. Well, church, success is not found accidentally, but with intentionality. It's found with intentionality. I want to be intentional about winning in my marriage. I want to be intentional about finding success with my kids. I want to be intentional about raising up godly kids. I want to be intentional. I got to be intentional, not accidental. If I'm just living accidentally, then I'm not living by faith. I'm not living how God has asked me to, be, to live. I want to live intentionally. I want to find success intentionally. I want to produce intentionally, not accidentally, because if you produce accidentally, you might just produce something that you regret. 
It just happened. Five years down the road, I got all this success in my business. And God's like, that wasn't the business I wanted you to start. That certainly wasn't the marriage I wanted you to walk into. I, you, there was no intentionality in your life. I just tossed up a prayer every single day. <laughs> the blessings came down. It was, made sense. There was no intentionality in your walk. There was no intentionality. You, you didn't do it on purpose. You did it on accident. And I don't want to live by accident. You certainly weren't created by accident. Was God accidentally making you? Well, I know there's some, well, I was an accident, you know? My parents weren't planning me. And I'm like, they weren't planning you at all, but God was planning you. And he divinely intervened in that thing, and boom, you came. Not accidentally, but with purpose. He says, I knew you while you were in the womb, even before you were in the womb. I knew you, I had a plan, I had a purpose for you. We ain't accidents, church. Come on, can we thank God that we are not made by accident, but we were made with purpose, on purpose, for purpose. Amen. Amen. Intentionality is key here if we want to produce. So I don't pray for accidentally. I work with intentionality so that eventually I will find victory. Because that's ultimately what I want to find, victory in Jesus. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, uh, as I close here, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Somebody say wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There will arise temptations. There will arise distractions. There will be moments in your life where your character is tested. There will be moments in your life where now really how you live is going to be presented on, on a pedestal. And so I certainly don't want to fail. I certainly don't want to make any mistakes. I certainly want to represent Jesus in everything that I do. But Paul even says in the few verses before it, he says, I need you to wake up then. Wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Wake up, oh sleeper. Open your eyes. I need you to start thinking and start doing. This isn't by accident. I need you to wake up because you got to be alert because the devil is around you, trying to get you, trying to destroy you, trying to kill you. So be sober-minded and be on alert because I don't need you failing and you certainly don't want to fail. So wake up. Get ready. This is going to be a battle for the rest of your life. No, Jesus said that when I accept him, it's going to be great forever. Eternity, yeah, it's going to be great. But right now on earth, there's going to be some struggles. As Paul said, that this whole painful experience that I'm going to partake in, I know that I will partake in um, something similar to what Jesus did. I know that's going to happen. And we're going to walk through that. But I can be assured that we're not going to walk through that alone. That's what I recognize. That's what I know. I focus on that. And now when I'm in the trial, when I'm in the storm, I now believe it. And it makes sense. And I can get out of it. And I can start doing things. You see, it starts with recognizing. And then it goes to focusing. Are you focusing on what God is doing? Are you constantly thinking about it? As 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Every day? All the time? Yeah. Be in a constant awareness that God is right there. Right there. He's sitting next to you. That's my spouse. That certainly ain't God. God is in them. Trust me. He's everywhere. And so now I live like that. I pray like that. I talk like that. I act like that. God is right with me here in this moment. It changes everything. It reminds me of the thing that I used to read on my 
in the bathroom wall when I was utilizing the facilities in my uh, house uh, when I was younger. I used to read this. Uh, that was another way for just saying I was using the bathroom. But the, that, that footprints thing up there, you know what I'm talking about? That footprint story? I was always looking at this, this, this picture with footprints on the, on the sand. And I would, you know, I didn't have phones back in the day, so we just sit there and re- just looked around. <laughs> Nowadays, if I use the restroom without my phone, like, I didn't know that was there. That's the color of our towels? What? <laughs> it's a strange room. You don't have your phone. And so I was sitting there when I was younger, just, just, just reading the, that footprints thing. And you know the story. I'm not gonna, I don't need to share it all. I'll just share the, the idea behind it. It's that Jesus is always with you. There's two sets of footprints, your footprints and his footprints. I wonder if his footprints are bigger than mine or smaller than mine. I don't know. I was created in his image, so my footprints are his and his are yours. It's all the same. But Jesus is walking with me, and then when trials get um, you know, challenging and when trials present itself and then when I have issues and when I have problems and when things are bad, when I don't have any money, when my marriage is falling apart, it's, there's only one set of footprints. And it's like, great God, when things get tough, you abandon me. Great God, when things get challenging, you leave me. And Jesus is like, ah, I didn't leave you. I was actually carrying you. Those footprints are mine. I'm holding you. And so that, that, that applies to our trials, that applies to our pain. But that also applies to our success, right? Our productivity, how we uh, create, how we build. I could say the same thing. God, all my success when I was in you only shows one set of footprints. Was that all me? Did I do all that? God's like, certainly not. You couldn't do any of that. I did it. And I carried you through it. As long as you put me on that pedestal and give me the glory and give me the praise, I will increase anything you touch, anything you say. I got you. But just be reminded that this is my world and you're in it. And this is my space And you're not inviting me into your space. I am inviting you into my space. And when you understand that and you freely accept that, God can do amazing things. I just want to give you like three, four, five, or however many, 17 practical things real quick. Um, (laughs) Then I'm going to close. How can this make sense to me? How can I spend time? What do I do? Do I just show up to church every single Sunday? Well, if you're doing that, great. That's step one. But study scripture. Study this thing. Read it. Study it. Find some commentaries that help you understand this thing because when you understand it you fall more in love with it the scriptures i'm reading actually apply to my life not just some dude who lived you know thousands of years ago this actually makes sense how does leviticus make sense to me i start to study it i realize that god is a god of details and he loves things in an orderly fashion he creates with purpose study this pray as i said first thessalonians Pray continually in chapter 5, verse 17. Pray always. Show up to 21 days of prayer. We're going to do 21 days again soon at some point. And we want to invite you here. Show up to this. I can't pray for an hour. We're not praying for an hour. We're going to worship for a couple times, songs, and then we're going to pray 15 minutes, and then we're going to group prayer. Group prayer. I ain't praying with anybody. Just you never know until you try it. Pray. Be faithful to being here at church and serving. There's plenty of areas for you to serve and be a part of. Jump in a small group. We're starting small groups very soon. Get into a small group. Associate yourselves with other believers and people who walk like you and talk like you and look like you and act like you. Man, how good is it to be in the presence amongst believers? Man, where I can present my needs and not be judged. There is still judging, but not as bad, right? 
I can present my needs and needs are met. I can receive prayer. I can associate myself with people who are building the kingdom of, I don't have to do this alone. Find some community, find some friends. I remember my dad challenged me that one day. I, I had a lot of friends, but I didn't really have any real friends. You know what I'm talking about? I got, I got thousands of followers on Instagram. I got a lot of friends. But do you know any of them? Can you call them at any point? Can you confide in them? Will they keep you accountable? Will they call you out when you're wrong? Or will they just cheer you on when you're wrong? Great job. Keep going. Keep messing up. This is good. It's good for me. Now you got to find some people who will support you and call you out. And then do what you've been doing, whatever it is. I think we're reading and understanding that God is wanting to multiply the area and the space that you're in. What God is not saying is leave the talents and giftings that I've given you and commit to full-time ministry for the rest of your life. That is what he's saying, but the full-time ministry for the rest of your life may not look like what you think it looks like. You mean I gotta put on some sackcloth and go overseas or I gotta serve at a church? No, do what you do on purpose. Your job, do it with purpose and intentionality. Raising your kids, do it with purpose and intentionality. Building a business, do it with purpose and intentionality. Furthering your skill sets, do it with purpose and intentionality and watch what God begins to do. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. And we may see that now. We may see that next month. We may see that in eternity. But it's not about when I'm going to get it. I know I'm going to get it. Who can I impact while I have it? So Father, we thank you. We love you. And Jesus, I, I, I don't know what part of this or what passage is really beginning to stir somebody's spirit, but I, what I do know is that when your truth is presented, there is conviction, there is correction, there is encouragement, there is healing. It's all there. And so today, Lord, for those even watching online, maybe it was one thing that was mentioned, one thing that was said, Remember it, focus on it, and do it. I don't want to live a life where I just know it all. I want to live a life where what I know and what I'm focusing on, I'm actually spending time doing. I say I'm a great father, but am I really a great father? Am I showing it? I say I'm a great child or son or daughter of God, but am I really showing it? Do I really believe it? And it starts here. Do I really believe that God has called me and loved me and he has a purpose for my life? If you don't believe that, I think that's step one understanding that God loves you and even though you are a sinner even though that you've got a long laundry list of mistakes God said I look past all that and I take it and I forget it and I cleanse you and I heal you and so with your eyes closed and your heads bowed if there's anybody in this room anybody watching online that you have not made that decision to say you know what Jesus I need to follow you I want to know you. I don't know yet that I want to, but, but I want to because I'm feeling it. Because it, it says that he's knocking at your heart. He's knocking at the door saying, let me. And he has prepared the table. The chair is there. Would you just sit in it? And if that's you this morning, you're saying, you know what? That's me. I don't think I've ever accepted this free gift. I don't think I've ever confessed that Jesus is my Lord. Because the truth is, 2,000 something years ago, Jesus died on a cross for your sin that you would still do in the future. He's forgiven your past sin, your current sin, 
and your future sin. He says, I take it, I put it on my shoulders and I die so that you may inherit eternal life if you so choose and believe. And so Father God, under my voice this morning, there's anybody in this room, anybody watching online that would say, you know what, I need Jesus. Would they pray this prayer? And church, would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you come into my life? Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me new. I want to serve you for the rest of my days. Help me, God. Show me how. Teach me how. For now and today, I am your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Can we put our hands together for those who made that decision? Church, can we all stand to our feet? At this time, we want to give you some space and time to reflect on what God is telling you or teaching you or what he's doing to stir in your heart. We'll leave this altar up here for you to come up and pray. If you got some prayer requests, you got some things that you're fighting for, don't fight it alone. Do not fight it alone. Come up here. Pray with us. We'll fight for you. The church around you will fight for you. You just need to be still and know that he is God. And so as we worship, as we pray, Father, we just thank you. We lift up our hands. We open up our hands. We open up our hearts to you. And God, we proudly and boldly proclaim that we don't have all the answers, but our response will always be yes. Help us, Lord. Our response always doesn't want to be yes, but it needs to be yes. Help us make that decision today. Help us make that decision tomorrow. That God, in everything we do, everything we say, we will say yes. Come on, church. Can we sing this? Can we believe this with all of our hearts? I don't just recognize it. I don't just focus on it. But I spend time singing it. I spend time proudly proclaiming it that God is good. And yes, I will. Come on, let's worship. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.